The Bayside Report. It's Saturday. It's Gasparilla Week. If you're shit-faced down at Tampa Bay on Bayshore Boulevard, more power to you. But there's a nightcap tonight. We have Kevin Budke in the building. Yeah. Tonight, downtown St. Pete, Grand Central Brew House. Kevin Budke, stand-up. He's been at the Comedy Store, Second City, the Ice House, and Zanies. He's a class act. I've known him for over 10 years, and he's one of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet, Kevin Bucky. Yeah, bro. Welcome, can... brother. Thank you. Vibe out a little bit. You just hey. drove from fucking South Carolina. You're right, you're right. The worst state. Yeah. The wor- What's the infrastructure like there? Garbage. Garbage. Yeah, it's almost as bad as like Savannah, Georgia, you know? I don't know. We're firing. We're fucking motivated, inspired. 2024 is the year of the takeover. Damn, son. You're getting me hyped. We're getting fucking hyped, brother. That's the Bayside Report. So, Kevin Budke, welcome, brother. Where <laughs> the, I don't know where the fuck to start. So, I've no, known you yeah, that's since 2014. 2014. Wow. That was the year I started staying up. The year you started staying up. Yeah. So, let, let's start there. 2014, you start staying up. I met you at Barney's Bar and Grill. Yep. Alapopa. Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. Yep, it was uh, Darrell Revis, Ty Law, and us. And that's, uh, that's what Alicopa's known for. Hall of Famers. So where'd you start? Where were you, did you first do stand-up? Uh, there was a place called Hambones in, um, in Lawrenceville, Pennsylvania, like in uh, the Lawrenceville area of Pittsburgh. There's a place called Hambones. And it was like, they had this nice little bar, but on the side, they did like all these uh, different variety acts. And every Thursday was like the stand-up, premiere stand-up open mic in Pittsburgh and I don't know dude I was like for like four months I got so hyped to do stand-up um that when I finally went my boss I told him that day and he was like well, what are you gonna dress up as like you gotta dress up Eddie Murphy dresses up and I'm like okay dude like all right I'll dress up so I wore a Power Ranger outfit my first <laughs> time and like and now the rest is history man yeah it was just like it's a crazy thing to like think about like what would make somebody want to pursue stand-up but also like how do you get good after like one take and you're like this is it this is what i want to do for the rest of my life and i think i forced it because i quit my job for comedy like the next day so yeah it was <laughs> so kevin i've done stand-up three times oh you've done stand-up i didn't know that i i, I just ate shit at the tampa funny bone about a, two two or three weeks ago no yes get the fuck out yes i did first time i was 15 uh, Kelly's Riverside. Oh, dude, I didn't know that. I That's know. Crazy. I wanted to talk to you about this shit because it, it's frustrating. Because when you enter a stand-up open mic, dude, you're entering another dimension. Mm-hmm. It's totally another ball game. So, I I could do a set here and write it down, and oh, this is fucking. This is gonna crush. This is gonna crush. Then the environment takes over. Everything takes over. The energy grabs you, and either you run with it and you fucking crush, or it it's too much. But that's just kind of my take on it. But what yeah. what's your journey been like from starting at Hambones? Then Pauly Shore eventually came into the picture, right? Yeah, Pauly Shore, the second city, back to L.A. I've lived in L.A. three times, Chicago three times. I'm moving to Austin now. Hell yeah. Did New York City for the first time. We've produced in eight states now. Like, I've done, like, it's it's been a crazy journey. But, like, to talk about that is crazy because we're talking about, like, from my beginning, when you first did, so how many, you have three sets, you said? Three. Over what, a span of 10 years. I was about to say, one, you were 15. <laughs> when was the second one? 24. Okay. In a kava bar and ran by sober Marines. And you're what, 26 now? 25. I'll be 26 in eight. Oh, okay. You made it seem like it was like, okay. So um, at least your sets are getting more consistent, you know? Like, I feel like that is the biggest thing is 
you don't understand what's even funny yet or how to be funny if you've only done it three times. Exactly. So when you go to, especially like that, you're like, you know what, I've done it for 10 years and I'm going to level up and do the funny bone. It's like, what kind of psychopath is thinking in their head like, you know what, if I didn't murder at this shitty open mic, I'm going to murder here at the funny bone after 10 years of not doing it. Like, I'm just saying, right? Like, right. You have to be delusional in a sense where you're like, okay, even if this doesn't work, I know that I'm funny. I know that things are, there's something in there. I feel happy doing it. And there's enough of that happiness and excitement that you're like, I'll eat shit. Yeah, beat me in the face with a brick, man. I love it. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like a drug, you know, it's, it, it is addicting. Um, but I would say like, uh, at least for me, I did that one set and then I did like my third performance at the improv. So then the second one, I dressed up as a Power Ranger costume again, except this time it was in the basement of like a Mount Washington bar. So like a shitty bar that was like barely built with bricks around you. And then it was all comics. And then my aunt, my mom and my girlfriend. And they were like, and I dressed up as a Power Ranger costume. Nobody, everybody saw the video. So that's why I got invited out. Well, nobody responded. They're all comics. So they literally, everybody sat in silence and looked down and like coughed while I was on stage. And then my mom and my aunt and my girlfriend in the back. And obviously, they're not impressed. They're, like, depressed for me. Right. <laughs> um, and then and then here's the craziest part. They all, all the comics, every single one, instead of doing jokes, just did five minutes of roasting me. Oh, my God. The entire, everybody said. So my aunt, my mom, and my girlfriend had to watch me just have a go at the roast of Kevin Budkey before anybody even knew anything about me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that night I was like. My, I knew for a fact my girlfriend was like, why would you choose to do this? You know, like this. Do you think this is for you? Do you think this is my aunt? I don't even think I've seen my aunt since then. You know, like wow. I think, I, you know, like that's how powerful this is. Like if you suck at this, especially as a rookie, it like impacts the people around you so much that you have to like leave. You have to disappear. You have to like go get good at it and come back when you feel magical. You know, like, yeah. I mean, even to this day, it's like, I think I have close, I'm doing this for 10 years and I've done all those accolades, like you said, and there's still people that don't want to come out and see me because they're afraid I'm going to bomb or they're afraid that they're going to act as if they're on stage. And most people will let their insecurities out because they care about you. Right. So it's, but, it's crazy to hear your story about that. They're like, I ate shit out of fucking that funny bone. You're like, at least you're doing the, fu- you did a, a comedy club, your third performance like I did. It's like. Mine went okay, but I did all new stuff at the, for some reason at the improv because I didn't want to do the Power Ranger costume again. Um, but I don't know. Did anybody like say anything after, or they're kind of like, "All right, buddy, keep going up." Uh, not. I mean, I had the thing I noticed is simplicity is everything. It is. I was trying Timing, to be. I was yeah. trying to be such. I was telling these complex jokes about putting. There was a toilet that exploded in Florida and, and Dunkin' Donuts, and I, I tried to make a joke about how Hamas made the toilet and shipped it, and it went. It was okay. It was lukewarm, but then I made a comment. I was like, "Oh, this is going great," and then I made another segue into Hamas jokes, and then they they laughed at me acknowledging my struggle. Okay, I noticed that yeah. if you a acknowledge that you're either vulnerable or you're struggling, or b simple. Simple fucking jokes. Some guy made a joke. He goes, oh, I'm sleeping with my neighbor. He's really good looking or he treats me well. Crushed. Hmm. Shit. I mean, obviously, it's not a very complex joke and it's a simple five minute open mic. Right. But it opened my mind and my it really taught me a lot. Well, because then you question instead of asking a question, you make a statement and then they people are questioning the next thing after. Right. Like you're better off like with the toilet. What was your premise of the toilet thing? Uh, The way that you (laughs) said it to me, the way that you said it to me should have been the premise. So I saw a toilet get blown up. Like, that's hilarious. What the fuck? You saw a toilet get blown up. Did you blow the toilet up? You know, like, and you have to say something in that first line that is so impactful. that People were like, are laughing because they're so curious of how the fuck did you see this? 
Right. So, like, that's all I'm saying is if you're going to make it complex, get some punchlines that are working before, you, like, the more complex you get. Because that's, like, complex jokes are, like, level, you know, that's, like, level four. Yeah. Like, focus on level one. That, that's... Sorry, I'm not trying to like. No, no, it's great. I, this is wisdom. This, shit, this is wisdom, brother. I, I need wisdom. But, and then joke writing. So, what's your? Yeah. I want to know about your joke writing process because to me, that's the. I could get on a podcast every week and write down bullet points and ran off that because it's yeah. easy. I'm. There's no pressure. But what is? I mean, joke writing to the point of okay, I need to execute this in a crowd. Yeah. What's your process? I mean, let me tell you the process that I went through to find this point because I think this will help you eliminate some steps as well. Um, I started to try and be funny. So like whatever was coming to my head, I was writing in my notes and then I was testing it. And a lot of the stuff was like dick chokes and just like, you know, like just random stuff that like I shouldn't have said out loud. Right. Yeah. But you're writing that because you're like, it's what's in your head at the moment. Something comes to you. You're like, ha, this is hilarious. Just thinking to yourself. But the second step is like finding what makes you funny. So it's like once you do get laughter from things and you figure out a good comfortability on stage and get past that, like uh, the pressure. Because no matter what, you're gonna be nervous. And like I do shows now, and I still get like a little like shaky. It's not I don't consider it nervousness, but I consider it like excitement for what could happen. And if as long as I'm prepared, then I can handle the extra, you know, the extracurricular activities. Gotcha. Um, but then once you figure out what makes you funny, then you experiment with that. Like for me, I, I figured out it was like my faces, you know, it's like Ugh, like rubbery face. I figured it was like the the voices that I could do, the act outs that I could do. But the thing that was missing is that it was it wasn't honest. So like as much as I was getting laughter from those yeah. things, when I was doing the longer sets, people would come after me after and they're like, Hey man, that was cool. You know, but like nobody cared to like want to know more about me. And I was like, why is that? And I talked to Paulie and he was like, bro, like be honest. Like there's like, tell your story. Everybody has their own story. And that's how you find super original jokes is because it's almost like telling, like it's like writing a play of your life. So now like, um, this last year, I did New York City. I did the Comedy Store. I did um, Arcade Comedy Theater like five times in Pittsburgh, which I, it took me 10 years to even be able to get that one show there. Wow. Um, and, you know, different venues across LA and across the country. But uh, one thing that I realized after doing all of that, I got, to, I got back to Pittsburgh in September and I'm like, man, what? I took a break for like two months. And I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, I, why am I not satisfied with what I'm doing? And like, why am I not satisfying with like putting out like a 10 minute project again you know like what is missing from this next level why aren't clubs wanting me to be like a headliner yet and obviously the following is like a big part of that but in order to even get that following you need to be kind of headlining clubs or like getting spots with hd quality clips so you know after talking to a few of my friends that i'm super cl close with um like there's one guy ken hamlet he's in chicago he produces a podcast and a show called a drunken night out okay. it's like killer but he's like a, he's like 38 he's been through it you know he like so he's giving me these great advice he's like bro s make it simple like like you said he literally said that same exact thing he said make it simple you have these jokes where you tell these stories now because they're true stories but they're like 18 sentences long like it's okay to say that once on a mic if it's not like an important show but once you like listen to that once, chop it all down to just a premise, a, a, a setup and a punchline. Just one, just literally one, one punchline. And as soon as you get the one, like I'm at a point now where like with these jokes I'm working on right now, most of them start with a funny sentence. So then it, it draws you in. It draws you in right away. Yeah, because okay. then once it draws you in, you're like, okay, tell me more. So then I'll tell like a, a setup and it'll give you a little bit more of a description and then it'll give you a punchline again and that'll surprise you and then and then you're like if the punchline works good enough you can make it an act out after you can make it tags you can you can like start a second ch chunk so now i'm like now these newer jokes that i'm working on it's like premise set a punchline 
as soon as that punchline works, maybe add one or two tags. Then I give you a second chapter of that story that has premise set a punchline and then more tags. Gotcha. But it's like you want it to be as simple and small as possible in order. Like it has to be joke structure. That's what stand up is. I did improv for so long and I was like realizing like, oh, hey, I'm a goofy guy. I could go up on stage and like fuck with the crowd and like roast the guy for his name. And like, that's cool, but it's not stand up. Stand up. Right. Stand up in its traditional form is writing sentences, premise at a punchline, premise at a punchline. Like there's a that that is a structure that like we overthink. So that's what I would say is like before you do this next set, like everything that you have, all the stories, even if they're 10 pages long and you think that 10 pages are funny. Just do one punchline first. If that works, carry it on. But gotcha. like for these ones, I literally over the last four months, especially like the last two months alone, um, like I went to Chicago two weeks ago and did six shows. And the very first show, some of these premises I had in the summer, but they I didn't have legs for them yet. I just knew that it was like a true story about my life. I wanted to see if it got laughs. And then so all of these I had like one or two seeds. So then when I went to Chicago, I wrote 10 minutes. I wrote it all out to just be one punchline. And then, um, and I literally like four, from the first show to the last show, I, I, what is the instrument called where you like, uh, accordion, accordion. So that's yep. exactly what I did. So I wrote them out as much as possible, but I would only do the small part. And then once I got the small part to work, I would like chop it down. Like, all right, now we just start with that out of these other sentences. What would be a good second sentence that like a second punchline. And then I literally just formulated it six shows in a row of like seeing what worked. And then the last show I did three minutes. So then I treated it like it was Kill Tony where I'm like, okay, we're like a, a showcase oh, of the mothership. So I'm see. like, all right, the best ones I'm going to do. And then even then when I got back home, I did two shows in Pittsburgh, um, Don't Tell Comedy and then uh, Our Kid Comedy Theater. I even chopped those jokes down. So then like uh, when I did the Don't Tell Comedy set, I'll show you that later. Um it's all just one-liners. Like, it's not... None of them are anything more. Now, there's different chapters. So, like, there might be, like, three one-liners in a row that are, like, that are connected. Jeez. So, it's telling a story. But now, I've even added to all of those. So, if I do a longer set, like, I did 18 the other night. So, then now, that 18 was a lot of those expanded just to see what could be the next lines. I see. But you see how, like, intense that is of a That's process? very... Uh and you could always, it seems like you can go many different directions with any joke on any given night, right, but crowd. If, but if one punchline doesn't work, why would you continue? You know? Right. So, like, that, that's where it's like, if you feed him a punchline you think's funny and it doesn't work, it's almost going to kill you to do four more punchlines that may not work. Yeah. Unless they're building up to a bigger punchline, but that's kind of wasting space. I, I don't see. Know. Sorry, this is no. This is amazing. This Kevin. That's why I wanted to have you on because you have the wisdom. <laughs> Ten years. Thanks, man. Of so back to it's like a math class. No, this is great. This is truly that Pro- professor is in session. So it was your third open mic. You said it, it went pretty hard. You everyone started roasting you. The second one. Yeah. Second one. Okay. And then the third one was the improv. So like, hey man, because at this point I quit my job for comedy. I made a video about it. And it blew, both those videos blew up. My first performance and then the quit my job for comedy. The quit my job one blew up so fast that I um, it got like a thousand or eighteen hundred views within like an hour two hours so I took it down I posted it two or three times and I have to I had to keep taking it down because it kept getting so much hate comments I were like kill really? yourself <laughs> like why would you quit your job you had a good job you should have like worked around the good job you had you know and they were all right except for the kill yourself obviously but you know maybe they were right but I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just one of those things where it's like, obviously, that was a stupid decision, but I kept getting all this hate. So the, the one guy at the improv was like, hey, man, let, let's, uh, let's put you up. I'll, I'll give you five minutes to do the showcase on a Wednesday. Um, so then he like all of the comedians that were like somebody's came out to the show. 
to like just see me bomb. Like even I my my motto was hashtag follow your dreams. So on the podium of the I improv said yep. hashtag follow your dreams. I'm like that's fucked up kind of. And then I had one joke that oh shit. Oh, <laughs> little impromptu d train go ahead but that's how i felt dude i literally like i had one joke that didn't do well and uh they gave me crickets over the speakers like oh really they yeah. actually play it out loud the only oh, person i've ever heard that's ever happened with the improv was gilbert godfrey and again my third performance but then afterwards i got off and this guy jim Crenn, who had um oh jim Crenn, randy bauman the dv morning show yeah but not only that he had the tv show uh it was on nickelodeon in like the 90s it was like uh these toys that like fought and there's explosions and all this stuff. I, I didn't know it was, he had a TV show. Yeah, on. I figured it was called, no but um, oh, dang it, I, I had it in my head for a second. But anyway, so he had a TV show. So he sat, he was sitting in the back, and he said, "Hey, sit down for a second. So the, for the rest of the show, we talked for like 20 minutes. He's like, "You got a future in this." He's like, "Just keep doing it." He's like, "I'll see you around." He's like, "Just, but you gotta keep doing it." And he was like, "Don't like, it's about consistency at this point. Like, the more sets you do, the better you'll get. But if you like." And I kind of didn't listen because I, I ended up losing my – I lost everything, you know? Like everybody said they in the comments, like, you're going to lose everything. I did. Uh, and I got stuck in Alec Clippa, and that's why I worked at Barney's with you. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I so had – So that was af- – okay, I, th- I didn't know if you were still – if you were in stand-up yet when we worked together. So you already started. Yeah, I already started. I had to quit my job, and then that was like six months after wow. or like eight months after. Holy shit. Yeah, so then that was like when I was at my absolute low. So like I had an apartment on Main Street in Aliquippa. I would walk to Barney's. I remember. Yep. And then like my girlfriend at the time, like she was so kind and like helpful with my life, but like I had nothing going for me. So I would just smoke weed every night and that I would get from the fry cooks, you know, and like yep. and I would just just write like crazy and looking back it was like I don't know. Weed when you're in your twenties, I think weed is good to experiment and fig- like, especially if you're depressed and you come from nothing like I do. It's like it's nice to expand your mind. So I'd literally, I would literally sit on my rooftop and look at the ugly ass woods in Aliquippa, and I would, <laughs> I would envision the Hollywood sign. Until one day, like during the pandemic, I literally had an apartment where every night I'd smoke weed, looking at the Hollywood sign. That's crazy. You know, so like you have to envision this shit. You have to be crazy enough and delusional enough to make it fucking happen. Manifesting, yeah. writing it down in a notebook that this is what I want or this is what I'm gonna be. Yeah. So how old are you at this point? Uh, I'm about to turn 31 February, February 20th. Right now? Yes, I'm 30 right now. So you were 22 at this point. I was 21 when I started comedy. So it was like the week after my 21st birthday was my first set. Holy shit. Yeah. So all this happens. How much further in time does Polly Shore come along yeah, and you so, start touring with him? Yeah. So that. Um, so I quit my job. I lost everything. I started to make some sketches. And then my dad was like, hey, man. I had a stepmom that like just came in our life. So she moved in with us. My dad's like, all right, we're moving out of the house. So you guys have to get out. I'm like, wow, my brother got to stay into the house too. He's 23. I'm 21 getting kicked out of the house, you know? So I literally, yeah. So I like, <laughs> my car broke down. Like my first week in Aliquippa, I got a ticket for my car sticker being up. And then I tried to not use it for like two weeks. And then once I started using it, the engine failed on me. So then I like had to scrap the car and then I sold everything and I had to pay my rent because I didn't have a job because I quit it like a fucking idiot. Um, what was your job? I was working at the airport selling headphones. Okay. Making good cash, you know, decent cash yeah, and paying like, bills. Right. Sustainable. Saving money. Yeah. Like I even saved up money. Like I was, I was actually helping my mom when my parents got divorced. I was helping my mom. Like that was just like a, that was like one thing that people judge me for. I'm like, bro, it's my mom. Like, why wouldn't I help my why mom? Why not? Yeah. No, I, I'm totally for that. It, I mean, as long as you're not 45 and mooching off them, yeah. if you're there to help them, right. totally see it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's kind of what it was. It was like, this is like, it was a rough time in her life. Um, but yeah, so then I worked at Barney's. I did a couple open mics for like the next two years. The next year, my dad had an app idea for like an app 
company idea and I'm a graphic designer. So I literally, I was writing jokes every night uh, for like two years, but would only get up like once every three months because again, it's like in order to get to Pittsburgh, I either needed a ride or I had to take three buses. It would be like two and a half hours just to get to Pittsburgh to do an open mic. Um, so yeah, I literally developed an app for my dad. We started a company and then it failed because my dad didn't know how to run a company. And then, uh, what was the company? It was, I can't talk about it cause I might bring it okay. back. It's like, gotcha. it, it might be like a huge social media one day. And I don't, I don't want to, I, I basically came up with like an invention okay. of like a, like an app idea invention. Nice. That's like, that could help a lot of people. But, um, but yeah, so that failed. And, uh, my dad was basically like, I told him, I was like, I'm going to start doing stand up again. This is like summer 2015. So a year after. Uh, so you're 22. 22. 22. And, and I'm like, I'm going to get back. Now that this company's failing and I wasted my time with that, I'm like, I'm going to get back to stand up. He's like, all right, what's going to happen when you fail at comedy again? And I was like, oh, motherfucker. Like, don't fucking Fuck say, it. don't fucking say that to <laughs> me, man. I, you going to put me down. My dad going to put me down. <laughs> You know, and Tony I'm like, Montana comes out again. Yeah, because that like, anger's in you. Definitely, like the one person that like had you. You know, like you came right. out of this guy, and he's like, "Yo, fucking fail again, you fucking ugly it bastard." Suck, you know, it sucks when the people close to you. I mean, I get a lot of ridic- not ridicule, but uh, you know, people are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It's like, why not take a chance? Right? Why not fucking take a chance? Especially in your twenties, right? Before you have kids, before right. you have a family, like, and then there's people that are have a family that are in their forties and still take those chances. Exactly, but it's, it's like, never I, too late. Yeah, but I think that we're in a generation where you're, if you're in your twenties, especially with social media now, you have a higher chance of blowing up from just being subpar. You know? Exactly. Oh yeah. So like, ride <laughs> exactly. that subpar up to the hell yeah. I like Matt Rife, but that's how people are describing <laughs> his success. Okay. I'm not saying that in my terms, but in some people in this industry, they call him subpar. Um, crowd, crowd work amazing, though. Uh, good looks. But, um, yeah, he's got that jaw. I mean, that jaw's out of another yeah, world, bro. Yeah. As soon as I do some more planks and I get a good doctor, it's going to be game I'm over. I'm telling you, this. dude, insurance is everything these yeah, days. That's actually my goal this year is to get insurance. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to get a company going this year so I can get insurance, get like employees, get like, uh, you know, get a lot going on. But, um, but yeah, so. Uh, I had that, and then the next year, I basically was trying to save up money. I was starting to figure out my financial situation. So then in 2016, my mom uh, started dating a guy, and he had an extra car. So he gave my mom an extra car. She gave me this beat-up Barney-colored mom van that I grew up in. <laughs> I, I and, saw uh, your set on this. Yeah. So I, then, the clip of it, yeah. So then I, my friend Andreas, when I first started doing stand-up, he, he was like a actor and he's making decent money from acting. And he was like, Hey, and he worked at Tex Roadhouse with me. So he made, he started getting a YouTube following. So he's like, he made a video when I first started, these comedians in Pittsburgh called me out and were like, Oh, I quit my job for comedy too. And like just roasted me. No way. Yeah. So then he responded he's like, you know what? F you guys, Kevin's going to be so successful. And he was just had my back. So then he started doing stand up with me in 2016. Um, so we'd go to every open mic. We would tape every open mic. We would do. We did a sketch show together called Totally Vanilla. So every week, the beginning of the week, we would write uh, basically ten minutes of sketches together, and then I would direct and uh, shoot it and edit it, and then he would act in it with me. And we would come up with characters, and it was super goofy, a lot of fart jokes, a lot of like you know stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. But it was just a fun experiment, and that helped me get up the improv again while I was working at Barney's towards the end of my Barney's like career time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then I did the improv again. I did 20 this time. This time, my girlfriend that I was still dating before, her parents and uncle came out. A lot of people from Barney's came out, and I ate shit. I bombed so hard, dude. I bombed so hard. This guy gave me a huge opportunity. He's like, you're good, right? And I gave him one joke about Al Clopo and how we have 300-pound prostitutes. He's like, that's it, bro. You're going to be good. And he was a magician. He's like, you're going to host, and you're going to do 20 minutes up front. I said, okay, cool. 
I go, my girlfriend didn't come, but her family did, and everybody was so disappointed in me. And then the worst part is after you bomb, like, so I bombed for 15 minutes straight, right? And then the last five minutes I did crowd work that did okay. And in my mind, I was like, that made up for the 15 minutes of garbage. Yeah, you try and reason with it. You're yeah. Like, it's not, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. No, and then I watched it for the first time ever, like, a couple months ago, and I was like, that was, I should have killed myself, and that guy commented that, you know, like, it was bad. But um, but then uh, yeah. So then, not only did I bomb, but then I have to bring up all the other comedians. Oh uh, yeah, you're you the know? host. <laughs> you're there all night, right? So then I'm like, all right, I'm back, guys. You're like, oh great. And I'm like, well, I got some funny people coming up. And like, sure, yeah, buddy, whatever you say. And uh, and then I brought the magician. And then magician. Um, What's with magicians in comedy clubs? I've heard this is kind of a. Uh, it happens he, here and there. Yeah, I mean, he had like some punchlines, so okay. that was different. But I would say like some magician, most magicians don't. They you just know? do magic. Yeah, sleight of hands. Like, oh, I pulled a card out of your breasts. You know, like it's like <laughs> card out of your asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's all poopy. What's that? Oreos behind <laughs> your ear? You know, like fucking. You know. So it's I don't know. So either way, like people weren't happy to see magician close it out after you know. No, there, were more, I'd be lot, there was definitely like forty people that came out for me, and then he promised me money, and then I got I got I paid nothing because I bombed so hard. That's um, such a common thing I hear too is that money is agreed upon up front, and then after the show, it's like oh sorry. And that's where it's like if it's an independent producer, that's where it's tough sometimes. Um, you know, and since that guy still hasn't paid me or talked to me since, I will say that, like, he was, like, a re- recovering drug addict. So, like, I should have thought in my head, like, oh, maybe this guy's using me to make money just so he can, like, you know, get it from me. Get his next re-up. Yeah. <laughs> there's a 50% chance I'm going to get paid. Do you ever go with that mind? You're like, oh, there's an 80% chance I get paid this show. I was like, why is this guy so excited to open up his wallet and show flames? It's, cause, <laughs> it's like, oh, because he's excited to smoke crack after he gets yeah. the money from this, you know? He's got the pipe hitting outside. Yeah. Holy shit. So that so that's all going on. So this is twenty sixteen. So this is twenty sixteen. Okay. And then um right at that right before that actually happened, I got an Amex credit card <laughs> that I'm still paying off to this that's day. Always, I had a that's huge dispute with them. The worst I, mistake. Yeah. It was well again, I come from nothing. So to have like a credit card where you're like you feel like you have money. Yep. To me, that was like I'm rich, you know? Yep. Uh so I got like a new outfit and then I bought a I saw Anthony Jessonick right before my improv set. Uh, at the airport and he was like i was like yo jessel nick and he's like and he like just was like shocked for a second he came in and talked to me for 20 minutes and um we talked really? about yeah i was like what is advice you could give me starting out and he's like well i would watch the comedian by jerry seinfeld as much as you can because that'll show you like because there's orny adams and there's jerry seinfeld so you're watching orny adams who is like a huge ego and like also just like uh, narcissist like, i don't know he has like all these different tendencies you know i don't want to like shit on because I, I do respect him he's very funny um but and he also gets the night show in it. So you watch this guy go from like getting just for laughs, a huge festival, to getting a huge agent, to getting a the Tonight Show. Like this guy literally watches guys' dreams come true. But you can learn from him what not to do. And then you watch Seinfeld get from not doing stand up for a few years and like leaving his show to starting back out again, bombing at mics and starting with zero material and building up to an hour and then doing a Tonight Show once he has an hour and like launching a tour. So you watch this crazy story happen. Like you haven't seen it, right? What, say that again the comedian have you seen that i've never seen it. no Dude, I, I think it's i've on, heard about it if it's not on netflix now it's on youtube okay i'll check um, it um but it is like so incredible so he was like watch that every day he's like i watched that for three years and really like, every day like that's something he wow. said that along those lines and i was like okay so i kind of did the same thing i was like i'm gonna watch this every day um nice. and then he said to go hang out when i go to the la hang out the comedy store as much as i can so he was like if you can't hang out the LA, at the comedy store every day also do that every day i was like okay so i booked a flight to la for three days with my Amex card, I got new outfits, um, and then I did Flappers Comedy Club. Yep. 
and which I don't even know how I got into there. Like I sent him a clip and I'm like, yeah, you're home from out of state. Sure. You know, just uh, at an open mic night. No, it was like or, a showcase night. Really? It, the bad part, it was, it was in the main room, which is like 300 seats. And there was only like 20 people. So that was the bad side. But still, I mean, but still in LA. Right. Yeah. And that was when the industry was really, that was when LA was LA. Right. And this was, so then the funniest part too was like, I didn't know. Uh, so I met the Versi triplets there who I ended up okay. touring with and I'm, cool friends with now like there there's a good chance we're working on projects together um dylan sullivan who's now been on comedy central stuff i met him that night um and then this guy graham who i haven't talked to in a while he doesn't do comedy and he he used a stage name so it's hard to find him now and he kind of that was his whole thing but he was a really good guy but he was like hey if you need a place to crash so we went to the comedy store after but he was 21 so he couldn't get in so he left but I, he was like no you hang out like you haven't been in la like you hang out here so i met jeff ross i met tony hinchcliffe nice. um i messed up tony hinchcliffe's name so immediately he hated me <laughs> Um, I watched Gerard Carmichael go up. I didn't even know he was going to be up, but I was a huge Gerard Carmichael fan. This was like two months he taped before he taped his special wearing like old denim. And that night I had old denim on. And I was like, did this motherfucker steal my outfit? It's your flow, yeah. bro. I don't know. I mean, Canadian <laughs> tuxedo has been around. But um, but I talked to him too. And I talked to his manager. And I was just asking him questions that I maybe shouldn't have. And then it, it went kind of well. But then I got to a point where I was like, hey, did you have a fan base before you moved to L.A.? And he was like, uh, and, his, and his agent was like, uh, yeah, just what he's trying to say is just do your own thing. Everybody has a different path. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I was kind of like the end of the conversation. I just said, thank you. And he's like, hey, best of luck. Um, and wow. then I and then I met uh, I watched Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey, the Laugh Factory, met Dana, Kevin Nealon. I met Alonzo Bowden. I think it's Bowden. Um, I think Nick Swartzen might have been on that. I don't know. It was crazy, dude. That's it was insane. like a wild time. But then I was like, I got to live here. I got to move here. Like after talking to Kevin Nealon, he was like, bro, he's like, if you feel like this is meant for you, LA is where it's going to happen. Like this is where you're going to get a huge opportunity. So then that, um, I did a tour show in Detroit and then I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to save up. I told my, at that point I got hired back at the airport right after I ended Barney's. Um, and before I did an improv show, I got hired at the airport. So that's why I think a lot of people from Barney's came out to see me. They're like, oh, you're going to kill it. And I bombed. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, fucking leave, dude. That fucking garbage <laughs> Get ass. out of here. Yeah, you fucking sucked at cooking fries. They were, a, they were a pretty, uh, you know, a tough crowd to please. Well, not only that, but I think also I was like dabbling into weed too much. So like the fry cook would like, like he gave me my first dab ever and stuff. Oh, no. And like I was just getting off like the rails. And that's when um, you go into the planet planet space right there yeah i was going to planet fit as high as fuck too so it was just <laughs> yeah it was it was, a, it was a rough time in my life but um <laughs> but then yeah so then i moved to la and i hung out there every single day the very first day the first 24 hours i got put up on potluck to perform most people were like wait a year to get like once um i got up my first time and then i hung out every day until new year's so that was christmas that was the day after christmas new year's night i met paulie shore talked to him twice and at the end he like he was, he was holding both these girls like a girl on each arm and it's right before the ball dropped and he was like hey man like he's like you think you you think you got this he's like why i was like yeah i don't know i think i got this he's like we're uh i don't know he said something about like what's your expertise and i was like i don't know like faces and stuff he's like okay like but what have you done and i'm like i did the improv he's like okay i guess that's something he's like you obviously are like green as hell like you're new you're so new but like you have this fresh smile like you're so excited and i was like he's like obviously you've been here for like what two days and I, was like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like a week he's like yeah that's about right he's like before you get your fucking ass kicked in that's why you are so happy right now um he's like you haven't been humbled enough yet and i was like oh wow okay and then um he was like all right well i'll give you my number at some point tonight i'm looking i'm always looking for writer's assistance and i was like that's crazy because wow. my goal moving in la was to get an, uh, a mentor and then uh that night the ball dropped there was this 
sick ass milf right next to me, right, <laughs> dude? Like fucking killer, you know? She was so fine, bro. But she was drunk. She's super drunk. And I was like, I'm not gonna take this girl back to my blow up mattress in my friend's studio apartment <laughs> that I'm living in, you know? Um, and I just knew I was like, I'm not a type of girl. If I see a girl even drink twice, like two drinks, I'm like, oh, you know, like we'll talk another day. Um, but she started heckling because she wanted my attention. She kept looking at me and like poking me, and I was like, hey, what's up, you know? But then she like kept heckling because she wanted me to laugh at her. So next thing you know, she's getting taken out by two guys because oh she's my God. <laughs> like, like she was like trying to be like a barbarian, you know? Um, so then I'm like laughing at the whole situation. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll stay a little bit longer so I don't <laughs> see her get carried away by the cops. And then I see Polly walk up through the front and, and like in the original room in the back, you can see through the front door. Um, so I saw Polly walk to the back hallway where I was when I talked to him and I was like, for some reason, I feel like he's coming up to talk to me. I'm like, that's a huge ego thing to like think, but I was like, I know he's like looking for me. So I, I got up, I went to the back hallway and said, Hey, I'm looking for you. I wanted to give you my number. So let me get your number. He's like, I want you to take a typing test for me in the next like 48 hours. That's, what's a typing test? Like to see how fast you can type per, per minute. Really? He was like, I need you to type, I need you to type like 85 words per minute or like 75, something like that. It was high. Like it's pretty, that's like decent. That's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah that's pretty. Um, and the next morning, so this is like literally four or five hours later. I didn't get home until super late. He calls me four or five hours later, seven in the morning. He calls me and said, Hey, uh, did you take that typing test yet? And I was like, what? No, dude, it's seven in the morning, you know? And he's like, Oh, well take it right now and send it to me as soon as you get 75 words per minute. As soon as you get said, he wanted you to yeah. hit the quota pretty much. Or, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, that's what it seemed like. He seemed like he yeah. like, was optimistic about me. So I, before I even took it, I called my mom. And she's like barely like, what's going on? Everything I'm fine. And I'm like, happy New Year's. I might have a job at Pauly Shore. And she's like, you better fucking pass that. Pass that <laughs> you shit, better man. get this shit going. Yeah. Like, I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at English. I wasn't good at science. But if I could fucking type 75 <laughs> words per minute. Um, so then, yeah. So then I, after like the fourth try, I finally got it. And then the next day I started working for him and uh, within like two weeks, he basically told me, he's like, this probably isn't going to work out, but you, uh, and I'm not going to pay you right away, but he's like, the good news is you're going to learn something. I can see what you're good at. And then you can meet some people and you can hang out at the comedy store. And I was like, fuck yeah. So then after two weeks of doing graphics for him and him telling me that I sucked at typing and all this, because once I, the very first day he, he introduced me to his assistant and his assistant's doing all this crazy work. He looks stressed as hell. And I'm like trying to throw punchlines. I'm trying to bring up the spirit of the office. And then the second day, he's like, yeah, he's going on vacation for a week. So you're my assistant now for a week. And I'm like, uh. So the very first day, he's like, you fucking psych at typing. You don't even know how to use Gmail. He's wow. like, he's like, obviously, you're not. this isn't meant for you. But he was like, we'll figure out what you're good at. So he's like, what are you good at? I was like, graphics and video editing. He's like, all right, that, that's what we'll stick you to. And then after like three weeks, he started giving me tour dates. And um, and uh yeah, so I did the Ice House, Venture Harbor Comedy Club, Ontario Improv. Um, I forget where else, somewhere else. But um, And then he let me go up on Potluck. So I ended up doing Potluck. Most people go up like once a year on Potluck, if that. Sometimes it's like three years away. I got up three times. I got. I, I think it was, I don't know if it was three weeks in a row, but it was three to four weeks. And then I got up a fourth time on, my, on February 20th, my my uh, 23rd birthday. No way. Um, wow. Or it was either 23rd or 24th. But it was just crazy. Like it was a crazy experience. Um, but then, yeah, he like, it got to a point where he was starting to give me like money per project and I just couldn't keep up with it. And then my girlfriend, my dad finally, like we talked again, you know? So finally I'm at a point where I'm like doing cool stuff. So he calls me and it's his birthday. So I was like, Hey, happy birthday, man. And he's like, Hey, I'm living in Chicago now. Come to Chicago. My girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend drove seven hours to come see me. And then she, I guess she had the flu and everybody else in, my, in that house had the flu. So they gave me the flu and I literally like got so sick for a week. So he like, let me go. He's like, well, if you can't come in today, like buddy, I'm sorry, but like, I got to find somebody else. 
So then and my dad was like, well, beg him for fucking money for the doctors. And then I did. And he's like, well, now you're definitely not working for me. Jeez. And uh, we're still cool to this day. Like, again, we texted like a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah. I, I, he's like an older brother to me. Like, I love him to death. And he's been there for me so much. Just even just advice. Um, but then, yeah, after I left L.A., I went to, Pitt, I went to Morgantown, West Virginia for a bit. Lived uh, there. Lived there. Yeah. My friends. <laughs> so my friends that are here now for this wedding that I'm going to. They were managing the Texas Roadhouse in, in Morgantown, West Virginia. Oh, okay. And our dream our whole lives was to live together. So they had like a third roommate, but he was kind of a dick and it, he didn't even help move in. Like we they kind of figured it wasn't going to work out. So I slept on the couch for a while and then they ended up making a storage closet in my bedroom in the basement. <laughs> and, um, and that's what my pilot's about. It's like working at Texas Roadhouse, like being a failure from LA. Okay. And then living in this like storage unit and like having sex with girls and like literally this and like storage unit. Yeah, like not a storage, but you know, it's like literally like a storage closet that like the heater's in and shit. Um, and uh, yeah, so then I, I got to a point where I, I did LSD and I got fed up and LSD made That'll me open you up. I don't want to like keep going with these crazy stories. No, but, it's it's great. But that led to the second city. And then that's kind of like where I met the friends that I have now. That's where I started touring. That's where I started producing shows. Um, and yeah, that's led to this point. So to, I don't want to be I don't want to be so like long winded with this, you know, with the story of my life. But no, it's great because you have you've had that journey and it's crazy how fat i mean relatively fast from kind of eating shit when you first started to what if you didn't take that flight to la what if you didn't get that amex and meet Polly? you know yeah that's what i think about a lot because it is so hard like most people never get like a mentor or at least somebody right. that's had that much success especially at a place like that that's the mecca until now with joe rogan's place which is like the new mecca um but like yeah nobody really gets that shot and most people have to live in la for like 10 years before they even become a door guy like you know, before they really even get sets there. So a lot of people didn't like me because um, because I was getting so many sets already. And my first yeah. set, I ate shit. And Tony Hinchcliffe watched me in the back, my <laughs> second one. So the, the first week, I ate shit. Um, I met Preacher Lawson before America's Got Talent. He was super cool, super nice. And we, we'd, like, hang out at different places. And then the next week, Paulie was like, all right, before you really start working for me and, like, hit the road with me, I need to watch you go up now. And I was like, okay. So then he was like, and he, and he saw Tony Hinchcliffe. He's like, hey, do you know this guy? And he, and he, he remembered, I, I feel like he remembered me from messing up his name. He's like, yeah, I know this guy. And he's like upset because I was already on potluck the week before. So he's like, I want you to watch him with me and like give him advice after. So then I did my set and like Tony, he was like, Tony, you go first. He was like, you had a thing about having uh, rubber ducky lips. And that was the only funny thing you had. And honestly, I'd reconsider doing this. And I was like, oh, great. And then Paulie was like, yeah, I kind of didn't like it either. But I see the potential that you have. And that night, he drove me home in his Range Rover and did a voice memo on my phone that I still have of, like, telling me my life story to myself and how it's funny. <laughs> what? So then literally, like, two weeks later, before I went on tour with him, I did Flappers again, and I did a whole new set, like, jokes I've never done before, and they all did okay, and they're all kind of true about my life. And then once I got on tour with him two weeks later, I already had even more jokes that I worked out, and a lot of it was true stories, and I had, like such good sets his because his crowds are crazy like yeah. they're sold out and they're like animals but i had such good sets that like um they the bookers at ventura harbor comedy club are like hey let's film this so you can use this to get booked across the country and then they said do you want laughs on fox which is like the tv show at the time that taylor thompson blew up from oh okay, and they were like yep. you want that show like do you have enough material that like if we put this on that you would be fine and like writing new stuff and, and i was like uh honestly this is all kind of new stuff he was like well then don't do it he's like he's like don't and then the show got canceled like a year later, but uh, um, but like that was like a lot of people's first TV credits, you know, that helped them get other TV credits. So that could have been mine. And then I actually canceled on um, 
Rob Deerdex, uh ridiculousness, they had a date show for uh, Chanel West Coast. So the first time I did uh, my first tour shows of Polly, I ended up going with Polly instead of doing the ridiculousness as like a date on the show. Like they had like all these guys basically coming no in as way. like a bachelorette <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Um, and yeah, so then I decided on the Polly stuff and I'm glad I did, but um that's just like the craziness of what my la experience was oh and i also got the gong show while i was there which is like i don't know if you remember when they rebooted the gong show on uh Mm-mm. on abc the versi triplets were on it so if you look that up they like, had a really funny time but the only thing with that is like i auditioned they're like bro this is hilarious like we want you on the show so i was in the top one percent but they said uh we want you to not just do stand-up like you have to think of like a character so then i had no money so i literally put seven pairs of tidy whities on and i cut out a crop top in half and i put like please laugh on the shirt and i put frown clown makeup and i put like a boston accent and i was like an insult comic and uh i don't know dude like you just want to talk about like a wild like That's few months of just using amex and then maxing out the amex card <laughs> using the amex to the like this is like i feel like this should be like an amex like fucking you know commercial like what could you do with an amex card it's like you could literally live your dreams for a few months until it runs out and walking then, yeah. down ventura boulevard just fucked up yeah, and uh, a friend of mine from high school, she sent me this song of, like, uh, Sammy Adams and, and uh, Mike Posner. It was like, I was like, walking on Sunset Boulevard, maxing out all my, <laughs> my credit Amex. cards. And I was like, that's me. So what are you most excited for in Austin, brother? Um, honestly, Joe Rogan's Club. How fucking – that's- First off, how fucking – I still can't wrap my head around of the, just the change of L.A., 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 New York, New York, and now Austin, Texas. Yeah. It's just insane. I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere. Or do you think it's solely Rogan influenced? Uh, yeah. Solely. Solely? Yeah. Because, I mean, look at, like, I feel like Tom Segura wouldn't have been down there. Um, Ron White wouldn't have been down there. Tony Hinchcliffe definitely wouldn't have been down there. A lot of my friends that were door guys at the comedy store wouldn't have been down there. Everybody's so it's like, going. I made a list of, like, all of the top 50 comics that are in, in at least the people that i've heard of that i could put on the list like if i've never heard of them obviously i didn't put them on the list and there might be like a few that like we're missing but like out of the top 50 comics that i put of like this is a based on instagram followers i have met or at least have like ran into or watched sets of the top 35 and i'm out of you know like joe rogan i met joe rogan i'm like his friend so like i would say like uh probably like the lower 35 are like people that are like i've been friends with for a bit you know like mm-hmm. people that have been grinding across the country that like we've mingled and like done shows together and people that just have respect and i'm like dude this is like a great list because it shows you it is like a small pond with big fish but like there's so many big fish that the pond is getting bigger yeah and that's like you don't ever see, you never see that that's no. like uh that's like uh saudi arabia right now getting the <laughs> rainstorms you know it's like damn bro this actually can happen there's like there could be a fucking there's fishing hope. pond yeah <laughs> Um, but, but I put myself on the list and I would be like number 50th or like at least in the top, like 60, 70 of Instagram fall. I only have 2000 followers, but I would be in the top 50 to 70 people, comedians there. Right. Like of at least, you know, like not talent, but like just from followers. So I'm like, that makes me feel good. Cause you know, going to LA, everybody has TV credits. Everybody has yeah. fans. Everybody has money. Television. So like, There's not much television. Right. And awesome. the same thing in New York. It's like people are most likely aren't getting sets in New York unless they have a TV credit. It doesn't even matter about the fan base there. It's more about the TV credits. Gotcha. And like getting co-signed by somebody. 
Um, so that's why both those scenes are so tough because it's like unless you have a bunch of money and can like withstand the time that it takes to get TV credits, Los Angeles isn't like a good move, especially if you would like to see your family and friends. Uh, um, and even if you have family and friends in LA, you barely ever see them because everybody there is kind of fake, you know, or dude, like everybody rough. like it's easy to cr- it's easy to cancel plans when you're there. Yeah, um, it's because it takes like four hours just to get four blocks. Uh, it's ridiculous. I visited there for the first time two years ago or about a year and a half. I have family in Orange County and I drove oh, up wow. to the comedy store and saw it all. I was like just blown away. But yeah, the same, yeah. I can tell you, dude, it's the fakeness and the dry. I mean, you, got, you like, need a fucking helicopter. Yeah. And that's where it's like, if you're not wearing a new outfit all the time, it does come off like you're a poor guy. Yeah. And I and think that's, that you're judged off that. Right. And that's where it's like, no offense to like Austin, but like New York city. What I liked was that you don't want to dress up because you'll get robbed, you know? Okay. It's so like New York city. It's like people literally dress bummy or, or maybe bums and they're just treated the same as everybody else. <laughs> it's like one place where I literally would vlog and everybody just walk past. Like it's nothing. Like even in LA, I would vlog and like, be talking to the camera people are like yeah what the fuck like, yeah what the fuck who you are you you're nobody <laughs> yeah. you know like you're ruining my day and they'll like sue you for putting on camera new york city it's like hey all right i'll just walk by you you know like yeah. nobody cares right no one you're like shitting on the street and people are just walking in and not even worrying you know yeah it's bizarre so then austin in my mind I'm like austin's like a college town like i visited one time i didn't see any of the comedy because this is kind of like uh this is right after pandemic but I like saw the people there and like college kids, everybody's dressing, dressing humble. Nobody's really worried about money. People are just focused on like living a happy it's life. America, bro. That's it's it's the, literally America. It's America. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for that shit. That's going to be great. Barbecue food and just yeah. the scene, yeah. bro. The energy is going <laughs> to be. I guess I didn't even think about the barbecue. Like, I, oh, yeah, I guess the barbecue would be nice. You're going to be eating like a fucking doctor. I'm, I mean, no, I'm, I'm honestly, I've been. So I know. <laughs> and this is like the podcast audiences to know this, but you bought pizza. Like one thing I haven't really been eating is gluten. I will eat some pizza because I don't mind cheating it as well. So you're on the gluten free train because it's like, it, it like puffs up my nipples. It like, oh, it'll, really? If I eat too much, it'll swell me up over a few days. So I'll have it like occasionally, you know, like dab a little bit and it doesn't bother me too much. But like, uh, I basically cut out most gluten, soy and dairy. Wow. So what are you eating so, on the road? Where do you, where's your stop? Where's your go-to uh, stop? That's why this trip, I did like 18 hours in the last two days and I, I ate beef jerky. I can eat corn chips uh, and Red Bull. And that's kind of, wow. that's kind of been the diet. I had, yesterday I had some like uh, juicy gummies that were like kind of healthy. Like they're not healthy, but they're gummies, you know, like, I don't know. So I like, I like to eat sweets. I like to eat kind of garbagey, but I'm like, it has to fit around. It's so like beef jerky. Other than the sodium, it's not too oh, bad. Oh, the salt and the cholesterol. Because I beat jerky, yeah. bro. I, I could eat three bags of it. So as long as you like pace it, it's not yeah. like awful for you. And especially if I'm like sitting in the car, I'm not eating much the rest of the day. It's like it does kind of help. Uh, and then, uh, but yeah, like corn chips, there's kind of been like the cheat code. Like, so there's a, I forget what the brand is called, Walmart, but I'll just buy these corn chips. The only thing with corn though is like it doesn't really like, it just kind of goes through. Oh, it's, it's right through really, you, dude. It's not it's really like like pasta. helping you, you know? It's right through Yeah. So, like, when I'm at home, though, if I'm, if I'm, like, in an apartment, I'll eat, like, eggs and and vegetables and bananas. So, like, that's one thing I should stock up on for the rest of this road trip is, like, bananas. Just eat them as you drive. Yeah. Well, I'm just, like, I think it's just, like, clutch. Like, especially in this diet, it's, like, you have to eat, like, natural. Yeah. It's tough. But I would say, like, that is how I lost a lot of weight is, like, exercising as much as I can, doing as many planks as I can and just trying to cut off all that 
all the garbage and all fast the, food. I cut out fast food. Yeah, Chipotle, like, other than Chipotle, which is yeah, that's Chipotle. Not bad. Great. But for me, even the wrap would like again, like after like if I eat the wrap, I'll just notice enough that it would like sets me back like two days, one day. The gluten. Yeah, just from damn, that, bro. I just, don't want to poison you. No, no, no. <laughs> but again, it's like it's like one day. It's two days. It's nothing like crazy. Like if I had like a whole pizza, that'd be different. But if like yeah. a piece or two pieces, not a big deal. Um, but I can't drink beer even. Like I, I don't know what wow. happened in the last few years. Now if I have a sip of beer, my throat will swell up. That's so crazy. I have to drink like White Claw. Everyone's going through that gluten. Yeah, but everyone's now, having a gluten discovery. Yeah, but now also everybody's like, everybody's roasting people that drink White Claws. They're like, "Oh, you're supposed to." Nah, they're I'm like, good, no, bro. Dude, I, they are good, <laughs> and I, they, I need it. What? Well, I, I need. Because if I drink shots, dude, like I did a show at the Comedy Store in April last year. It was like the, one of the best sets I've ever had in my entire life. And afterwards, I just shot a tequila and a shot of like whiskey. And I was just so like fucking fucked up from like the shots right yeah, away, right away. Like, it was just one of those things where it's just shots. Like if you have a straight shot of tequila, like how do you have a normal night? Nah, it's it's all downhill from there. So then yeah, like hug Pauly Shore, and I, he was like, <laughs> and I know that like he was happy to see me. So like, and I know he heard that <laughs> a decent set. So like that made sense. But then like I saw the Booker, and then she said something to me. And then I just laughed and I like couldn't really like process a conversation. We were like in the back of like one of the rooms. So I don't want to be too loud. So I just laughed and I just was like, I don't know. I like, it makes me awkward to like drink shots. Like I get yeah, like, yeah, they're not very, you know, uh, especially around important people. Like yeah, that's, exactly. a, that's a place where like, if you drink the wrong thing and say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you're fucking blackballed from this industry. That's crazy. Man. It's bizarre. Like, did you ever see Joey Diaz throughout the mm. 2010s? <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> He's him, one of my uh, favorites. What was he like? So when I moved there Christmas, like a few weeks later, I saw him and I saw him probably like three times and they, in the main room of the comedy store, the biggest room, they will like dim the light a certain way for like their all stars. Like they're like their favorites of all time and they do it for him and do it for Pauly Shore. And I, I don't know who else they do it for, but they did it for him and bro. The one time I saw him, I mean, every time I saw him, he killed like murdered, but the one time specifically in the main room. He was ripping so hard that like people in the hallway started laughing. They're like, I don't even know what's funny, but like that shit was like, like, and then just a wave of like, it would be like, um, some of these places, like, I don't know how big the funny bone ones that you did, but like some of these places, if you have like the greatest laughter in front of a packed crowd, you'll get like two or three waves of laughter. That's why that timing yeah. is so important. And the simplicity is so important because it's like, if you actually have a good joke, when you do it in the right place, you can sit in it. Like just one sentence. So that's why, I like, I'm trying to write now more like Jesselnik because the way that he writes makes sense because he does theaters. So when he's doing theaters or like a 400 person room, the way that he writes the jokes, it gives them time to laugh to and digest it, it, and then he could relax for a minute. Well, not only that, but then it's also a build up for the next punchline. So it's like it's so clutch overall. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, okay, when you watch a Joey Diaz and he does every like he's improvising and he's literally landing every improvised line, but each improvised line he has to wait three seconds because it's three waves of laughter, people beating the tables, you know, like <laughs> it's crazy. He has to let them sit for they gotta catch their breath for a second. So that's like the level of the difference that you're at. It's like okay, if you are taking this long of a break between stand up, like. Do it four times a day then to catch up, to understand. I mean, I wouldn't do that much, but I would say this first year, like, do one year where you do at least a set a week, building up to, a, like, a few sets a week. And then once you are actually getting, like, five to ten minutes of laughter, then you can go, like, every day. You can start submitting to places. You get a clip from a shitty place. You start getting booked for actual shows where you're actually working on stuff. Um, like, there's a huge process, but it's, like, without a doubt, I would rather see somebody who has one punchline that makes me piss my pants than have five minutes that's like subpar. Yeah. You know, that's like they're like fishing for it and they're like doing everything they can to like 
like you said, like to like figure out your genius. It's like the complexity. It's like, right, okay, we, right. I, I don't, you know, like I believe that that complex joke that you think is hilarious probably is hilarious, but it's like, figure it out. Like get that one line. that's killer. Get a second line. That's killer. Like every time you land a punchline, which a punchline should be a surprise. Let that be the complexity of it. Gotcha. Is that every time, every line you said they don't expect. So if, if ISIS blew up, blows up the toilet, <laughs> don't bring anything about like anybody about ISIS. Like don't bring up anything. Just say, hey, I watched a toilet blow up the other day. I was, I was in a dick's and I watched a toilet blow up the other day. And they're like, what the fuck, dude? How does a toilet get blown up? Like did it really get blown up? And, you're, and you know, like have a surprise with that. Like, yeah, like physically a bomb blew up a toilet. And you're like, what the fuck? I didn't hear about that. You know, like, you, like again, you're just taking them down a path that they don't expect. They don't know, but you're punching them. You're beating the fuck. It's yeah, like a combo. It's like fighting. It is. I, everyone compares it to fighting, and now I'm kind of starting to finally see the parallel. But if you don't have one punch, I mean, like, again, it's like, if you throw that first punch and it doesn't daze them, the chance of those other punches working are less right, likely. But right. as soon as you daze them once... Then you throw, uh, you know, a second punch. Then they're like, oh, they're a little startled. And then you throw the uppercut as the actual punchline. Then they're like, you know, they're either knocked out or they're like, like barely balancing. And yeah. then that's where you're like, finish it. Yep. So it's like, and that's how every joke should be. Uh, it's, it's an art. It is. It's, it's such the a, craziest art. It's it's fucking crazy. This is the one art I would not recommend anybody. <laughs> I know. Ever. I, oh, it's you will literally like the karma that comes with it is like you lose everything most of the time. Your friends leave you. Your family leaves you. Your girlfriend leaves you. Like there's so much involved with people's insecurities of uh, around not only them wanting to do it but you doing it and them caring about you that it like ruins your dream of doing it. Right. So now that I'm like ten years in and now that I'm fucking bald, it's like I'm so far deep. That like the fact that I haven't killed myself yet, I'm like, well, now I can't kill myself because <laughs> I'm, I'm almost with you, brother. I'm coming. Bro, out. it's like mine's like I, I'm shaving it now because I, I feel like it looks better. But um, but it's just one of those things where I'm so deep now that I'm like, all right, I've been successful enough, and now this year especially, I'm like figuring out the recipe of what my jokes are, exactly what makes me funny, how to be simple with them, and then now I have an understanding of what my my next hour will be, you know. Um, and now I'm starting to get respected because people are like, yo, that was a true story. That was funny. I respect you so much more because you went through that, you right. know? And it's like, and I just, I, I've honestly, this has been the most amount of love I've gotten in one year ever. Just even if we're only like a few weeks in, but it's like, I've gotten so much love from people that are like comedians, like more than anything, or just people that came out to the shows. But like the comedians are like, bro, like the cr fact that you've been through all this and then now you actually figured it out. Like you figured out your recipe to work. Um, so now it's just you never like, quit, brother. But that's I mean that's kind of can't quit. Yeah, Seth Rogen put out a quote. I keep thinking about it. It's like, bro, like as long as you don't quit, you're not gonna. You know, like there's a yeah. chance. There's, st there's still a chance you might not make it, but you won't make it if you quit. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like at least as long as you're having fun doing it and like you feel excited and you 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 feel like there's a chance, keep fucking doing it. And um, you know, I, and even if you don't make it on the level you want to make it or you expected to make it, fi figure out what is your thing in it. Because it's right. not only about like finding that stage presence. Now it's like, okay, am I going to be an actor on TV with this? Am I going to just focus on being on tour, which a lot of people don't. They figured out something else around it. Um, you know, like now I'm thinking about like cartoons. I'm thinking about voiceovers. I'm thinking about acting a, a, more than anything. But um, there's just so much. You know, for you, it's a podcast. I know that I'm like, 
I hope that people are enjoying this because I feel like I suck on podcasts. No, this is so. great. This is great. And then YouTube, to, I do YouTube podcasts, and like there you go. same thing, dude. Well, uh, and that's YouTube's cool though because for me, I'm going through all these old sets and I'm posting on YouTube, and the algorithm once you do it so consistently and they up. do okay, they start to do well. And then if you can get the YouTube partnership program, then it's like, all right, now let's throw shit at the wall until right. we figure out what the niche is on YouTube that yep. that people like of mine. And what the algorithm would pick up. And then once you're making full-time money from YouTube, then I can do comedy full-time. Exactly. So it's like, it's a good balance. Exactly. But overall, it's like, I think in my mind, in order for me to make it right now, especially with the projects I have in mind, I'm like, I need a business. I need write-offs. I need like people that want to, like people like you that are like so new to this that it's like, okay, hey, if, if you worked as an intern for like so many dollars an hour, like two hours a week, how much would you learn from learning from somebody? So it's like moving down to Austin, like being at the University of Texas where I know there's a young scene. I'm like, how many of these young comics are looking for somebody like me? Hungry, brother. That are like, yeah, that I can introduce them. I can like, I can help guide them. I can help write their punchlines for them, whatever, you know, like that's what I love. I I, I love the the part that I'm loving the most about this business is helping other people. Yeah. And and that's the part where it's like, as long as you're, you know, some of these older comics is like, I've realized that I have wasted sometimes, sometimes doing that. Um, but at the same time, to me, it's like even if somebody got one thing that they'll never remember that I did, it makes me happy knowing that like, okay, if I even like gave them a speckle, I don't need to like take credit for it ever. But it's so nice to see them succeed one day. And I don't know. Everyone needs inspiration from someone who's been through it already. And you're, I mean, you're the true definition of someone who's been through it for 10 years, you know. And <laughs> Yeah, I did, I did when I was in Chicago. I did this, this showcase, the three minutes that I did. And there's an interview afterwards. And I talk about like some of the struggle that I went through and, um, and he was like, all right, does anybody have any questions? And everybody was just silent. I'm like, yeah, keep them to yourself, man. <laughs> you know, like, cause it's one of those things where it's like, when you hear somebody talk about, you, you see, uh, the, not the expertise, but like the amount of time somebody's invested in something and then to see them like still not quite get it yet, but you see them like get these speckles of moments yeah. of like the zanies and things like that. It's like, okay, there's something to learn here. And I hope that what I can do is like these moments, it's like talking to you on this, that I can help someone like you learn from this so that you don't spend 10 years, you know, making the same mistakes. Right. So don't get an Amex card unless you know how to pay it back. You know, like just have a plan. I mean, that's even going to Austin. It's like I have a minimal plan, but like a lot of times moving across the country, you can't plan everything. You need to to have like the baseline. And every time you move, you learn a new baseline of what the things you absolutely need are. And then the deadlines you have for other things. But like a lot of, like I can't, I can't, I don't know if I'll get up at, like I have a good feeling I'll get up at Joe Rogan's club once to showcase. But I don't know like if that means I'll get up once a year or if like they'll be like, yo, hey, you're awesome. Like you don't know. Never. But you have to take the chance and go across the country and like show, like showcase everywhere. And now I'm at a point where I definitely have enough where if it doesn't work out down there enough, even though there's eight comedy clubs within like three miles of each other, if it doesn't work out enough down there, I know that I can move to another city and get accepted somewhere. Right. And at worst case scenario, I can keep touring and showcasing over and over again. Yeah. You made a good point about, uh, I mean, it kind of comes back to taking risks, right? The, my YouTube, it's, I'm approaching 600 subscribers. I got about 600,000 views. And like you said, bro, once you catch that algorithm, you go. Sony, I do magnet fishing. Dude, oh, I'll, wow. I'll clip those with my, I wear the GoPro on my chest, clip it, 10,000 views on YouTube. So my thought is, and that's in a year. So my yeah. thought is, I have friends in Vegas. What if I go out there, remove there, and just YouTube and maybe get a job there? I mean, just comparing to how you talked about you have to take a risk and opportunities. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at right now and thinking of my lease is up in July. That probably not staying here. 
I don't think I am. No? Nah. Like the scene isn't good enough here? Dude, it's weird here. Like I was yeah. telling you about the Scientologists and shit, especially oh. Clearwater. Maybe St. Peter, Tampa, I'll go back. I lived in Tampa for a year with my sister, but mm. I wanted to get my own place and it, it's too expensive down there. So, you know, just how you said the risks, man, you have to take risks. And- you do. But I also think with the risks, like they have to be calculated exactly. in a way that like, like Vegas, for instance, I don't know if that would be the best scene for you. Especially if you're trying to actually be a stand-up in some way. Oh, no, not stand-up. I was, I mean, for YouTube, it would be, because I, I... Do you a, think it would be for YouTube, though? I have a, I have a friend out there who I'd, I'd live in, I'd pretty much pay rent and live with him, and then do YouTube with him. I think it could be, I, I think, personally, and, and for, in the terms of vlogging, I think it could be. Yeah, I mean, I guess just from, I guess I'm just not a big fan of Vegas, just because it's 150 <laughs> yeah, degrees, right. just like Austin is kind of during the summer, but all year round, Vegas is hot as balls. And or I even say, the immediate uh, travel opportunities from Vegas. Yeah. You're on see, the West Coast. Not, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. And that's why, like, L.A. was kind of nice. But the only thing is, like, to be a comic without a credit in L.A., it's like, even if you go three hours away, the comics from L.A. that have credits are headlining there. So, I was like, right, you're not getting right. up there either. Yeah. But I would say, like, if you have people that are, like, doing YouTube or that are passionate enough, I would say, like, a big part of this entire game of, like, following your dreams is, like, being with the right people at the right time, doing the right things, you know? Yeah. And just having people that believe in you because then two minds thinking the same things better than one exactly having a team and again even like and let's say the youtube thing let's say you go there and you don't like it but you have somebody that helps you get to a point where you're a youtube partner and you're making money then you can be like all right well let's go take this somewhere else where we can continue to this on right right. because at at that point you're making enough money that you can afford to do it wherever yeah and especially like if you can make something happen in vegas most likely you can make that happen in another city exactly you know because it's like vegas does has only so much to offer but i guess it just depends on what but there is so much going on there like expos and like celebrities coming in that you could capitalize on that and you could like even if you just a man on the street stuff like there's yeah. so much that is like niche to vegas yep but yeah, just be careful is all i'm saying a lot of crime yeah. a lot of like strangers people that are there for one night that just get drunk and like <laughs> that's why this like i wouldn't recommend doing stand there because it's just like I, I imagine every show is just drunk people that are, like, i couldn't imagine having a residency a residency there yeah dude uh, that would suck. i mean i'm sure it's great if you're you know it's pretty consistent. You don't have to travel or anything. But no wonder Britney Spears has like a stunt double. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, she got kicked out of somewhere, right? Oh, because she like touched Wimbenyama. Yeah, yeah. She said Wimbenyama, and he just slapped her in the face without knowing who it was. He didn't even like try to. He just has long arms, so he just wound up and just clapped her in the face. That's hilarious. Just I watched that. That was so funny. The natural reaction. Yeah, because again, it wasn't like he was like trying to slap her. He was just like swatting a fly from like touching his butt. You know. <laughs> <laughs> how are we doing on time brother you got to get ready you got uh, yeah, you got a show in about two hours yeah what um you have any last questions anything that like i guess you're curious about or that you wanted to know i don't know i mean i did a lot i spoke a lot i'm sorry yeah I no like, i mean kevin thank you number one brother thank because you, this I'm was just, this is like one it's great to see you it's been yeah so long. it's been 10 years jesus christ we we're working at, i was a bus a dishwasher bus boy 17 years old 16 God, that's crazy to man. this man i mean hey we're, t- we're out here taking risks, just trying to make something happen, dude. Praying, yeah. praying every day, manifesting for something good. Definitely. That's all we could do, brother. Yeah, I've definitely been praying a lot more than I ever have. It's great. I've been but listening to Christian music. Christian, you got that Let me Christian say one rap. joke on here that I wrote yesterday on the drive. If it bombs, it bombs. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm listening to more Christian music, um, which is weird because I was raised Christian, but now I'm studying the religion of, uh, uh, dang it, what's the Muslim religion? Uh, Muslim, Muslim, or, uh, yeah, 
it's called but it's called something. Islam, Islam, sorry. Islamic, yeah. Islamic. Like, yeah, I'm studying the religion of Islam. So it's <laughs> it's interesting that I'm listening to Christian music, but I'm no longer a Christian. I'm studying the, the religion of Islam. I would listen to the Islamic religion music, but I don't find rhythm in hearing the screeches of people jumping out of the twin towers. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I don't <laughs> That's so aggressive, but like, <laughs> But you see what I'm saying, though? Like, that was great. So it's like you start off by saying something that <laughs> yeah. is like, you start off by making a statement. I'm listening to more Christian music these days. People are like, okay, why the fuck would you listen to Christian music? Like that, that's, a, that's Everybody's going to question that. Even people that listen to Christian music, they're like, why would you listen to more Christian music? And then you're saying, yeah, it's interesting because I spent nine years studying to be a Christian, but now I'm studying a different religion. I'm studying the religion of Islam. And you're like, okay, that's a weird setup. Taking them down a different yeah, turn. Yeah, they're like, okay, that I didn't expect that. That's kind of... and I, if I I word that right it's gonna be funny that's gonna be a punchline if i say that right um and then saying like yeah like i would listen to islamic music but you know, like the fact that like i think it would be the, the idea of like a radio station just playing people's screams of jumping out yeah. of the twin towers is so fucking funny to me for some reason it's so fucked up but like that is like hilarious like imagine on a radio and it's like bunga 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 bunga. Yeah, like, ah! It's just like the Arab sitar playing, <laughs> yeah. dude. And yeah, the first thing I thought of was like I don't I don't like the idea of hearing crickets getting raped, but I think that's too aggressive. I think the other one's funnier because it's like when you think of nine eleven, for some reason you think of that religion, you know? Right, right. Oh shit, Kevin Budkey tonight. Great, what the fuck's this place called, dude? Grand Central Brewing Station? Yeah. St. Petersburg. Come if, on down. If you're a gas brewer, like, get the fuck down. Get your ass roasted. Get the fuck down to St. Petersburg. It's the place to be in Tampa Bay. Kevin Budkey here with some comedic wisdom in studio. Thank you, Kevin Budkey. Thank you, Garrett. Let's fucking go. Let's the go. The Bayside Report. Is here. Watch those damn magnet videos. Watch those damn magnet videos. Let's get this YouTube money. I'm trying to quit my corporate job. I'm trying to get out of this shit. I'm trying to start Amazon business. Mm. Uh, we'll be back next week. Back to business. Thank you, everyone. The Bayside Report.